Howdy ho! Your main man Joe here, episode three, solo. Yeah, so I wanted to apologize first off um, because I was supposed to have a podcast out on Sunday, um, but me and my friend that were going to do it got derailed, and then I was going to do this one by myself, um, but I had another derailment too. My Wi-Fi wasn't working at my house. So anyways, this is going to be uh, sort of an impromptu podcast today, um, but the topic is going to be World War II. So a little bit of background. The other day I was at work and I had went on my phone to check my uh, Facebook. And I was checking Facebook, which I hardly ever do anymore. Um, but I got tagged in something by a guy that I had met once through a mutual friend. Um, so it was a little bit odd at first. So I clicked on it and it said, hey, and then it you know, had my name and it said, is this you? And it was a comment underneath a video that someone had shared as a memory from 10 years ago. So I thought, well, that's weird. What, what, what could be in this video? So I tried to look at it. I tried to look at it, but uh, I couldn't view it because I wasn't friends with the guy. So I commented and I said, can't see it. I don't know what it is, but maybe or something like that. And I ended up getting the guy to add me back. And then I looked at the video and I was really stunned because... It was a interview that I had done with um, a World War II veteran back when I was in, I think, sixth grade. So I don't know how old I would have been, probably like 12 or something. I don't know. But anyways, um, the reason it was so weird was because, one, I didn't know the guy who posted the video. I had no idea. But it said, you know, interview, something about an interview with uh, my grandfather Oh, uh, here, I got the description right here. Well, it has my name, and then it says uh, student at, and then it has the wrong school. So that's another weird element. It's, it doesn't have where I went to school. I don't know how that happened. But the weird part is is that I didn't even know anyone else besides myself and the kids in my class, you know, and my parents obviously, knew that this video even existed. Well... I guess they somehow got the original copy because as far as I was concerned, it was, you know, gone, lost forever. I mean, I just told, I told people that I had the, the interview, um, or yeah, I had told the people that I had done it, but, and I had a copy of, a, uh, I don't know if it was a letter or just a paper part of, you know, article for the newspaper that he had written, but he wrote this article, uh, about these photos he had taken while he was in the war. He was uh, in the Air Force, and he was stationed in Germany. And in 1944, I... Or, uh, in 1944, he took a f couple photos of three special figures that happened to be at the air base that day. And uh, the three people that were in the photos were Dwight D. Eisenhower, Supreme Allied Commander, you know, five-star general, um, and Omar Bradley and George Patton. So three of the top generals for the U.S. Uh, in 1944, all in one place. So that's, you know, kind of rare. And that's why uh, he took the picture in the first place. And, you know, I used, I would tell people if we were talking about it, you know, because I thought it was something really cool that I had one of the, I think it was a copy of the photo and, uh, uh, you know, a rough draft of, of the letter he had wrote. And I, as far as I was concerned, the movie or the video was, uh, you know, lost forever, but 
now I'm about to play the whole interview for you and then I guess just do a little bit of commentary on the side because I'm so pip squeaky voiced in this video it's really embarrassing so and and I don't think you can you can't really hear me very well so I'm just gonna tell you the questions if you can't hear it and then let uh, Mr. Podesky in, or, uh, respond and um, hopefully you can hear it pretty well so um, without much further ado I'm gonna rewind this and then click play and I've already I haven't even seen the full video yet so this is gonna be interesting but uh, the funny part it's it's uh the f the first funny thing is at the beginning of the video it starts with an ELO song <laughs> and it says interview or it says a Joseph Cross film and then interview with a World War II vet and it's just kind of hilarious for me because I was just I thought I was so funny back then but anyways here goes So this is just me introducing myself. I don't know if you could hear that, but I said uh, who he was and where he was stationed. And now I'm beginning to ask my interview questions. And it's just me sitting at a table. Uh, I went to his house. I, I remember that. It's been so long ago. But... I went to his house and, yeah, just asked him his questions there. And the cool part that I didn't uh, remember was he was part of the honor flight around here. And that's something I've been wanting to volunteer with um, as of late. So that's pretty cool. But anyways, um, I'll try to interpret the questions if you can't hear them because I don't think you're going to be able to. Um, but hopefully you can hear Mr. Badesky's answers. Okay, I asked what his rank was. That was the first question. I was a, I was a first lieutenant when I got out of the army. I was in the Air Corps, but I didn't go in as a lieutenant. I had to earn that. I was a pilot. I didn't want it. I'm sorry. How'd you earn it? Well, and then uh, my my follow up was, how did you earn that rank? <laughs> Man, it's funny watching myself as a kid. I was a pilot. I went through flying school. I don't know if you could hear that. I doubt it, but uh, I asked, why did you join? So he probably, like a lot of people back then, you know, just joined without even question. You know, back in those days, people were really, really patriotic. And world wars impacted the U.S. and, you know, other countries around the world more so than they do now, which is interesting. So let's let's hear his answer why he joined. Morning, my dad said, How do you stand with the draft? And I said, Not very good. So 
So I saw a sign that said join the Air Force, so that's what I did. I asked him if he could remember his first days uh, once joining. Not, not a great question, young, young me. The first days were down in Miami Beach, Florida. We were called out of college, a group of us, because they were short of pilots, but they didn't have any place to send us, so they sent us to Miami Beach, and we lived in hotels, and we did our, did our basic training there. We didn't have any uniforms. Okay, so I don't know why it just cut out <laughs> mid-sentence for him, but it's it cut to a of it literally cut to a a like clip of me doing I don't even know what you call it like when you hold your nose and move your arm in a serpentine pattern or like back and forth sine wave pattern like you're going underwater. It was kind of like that, I guess, but with both my hands doing that motion. I don't know why that's in there. But I think if I remember my if I remember right, which I and I know myself enough, I would think it's probably in reference to that one SpongeBob episode where they have the subliminal messages. I don't know. Anybody my age that watched SpongeBob would probably know what I mean or know what I'm talking about, but anyways, back to the video. Okay, so I asked him if he had any memorable experiences. Again, not a, not the best question, but uh, he basically kind of not scoffed, but said, "Oh man, of course I do," you know. And he's about to tell him right now, or a, a few. I asked. I interrupted the the poor guy, and and I asked uh, where where was he flying? Man, I didn't know Jack back then. At that time, I was flying out of Stuttgart, Arkansas, and I received my commission on the twenty third of May, nineteen forty four. So that's a long time ago. Um, what was the like? I asked him what the food was like. <laughs> Man, I, thank God my interviewing skills have gotten at least a little bit better since then. What's that? You know what? It's hard to remember that. When we were overseas, we ate a lot of K-rations. That was a box food. And then they also had what they called 10-in-1, a big box, and that fed one meal for 10 people, and you shared those. But the food was not that great but it's that long where you don't remember it. Today it'd be, I think it'd be terrible because I'm spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> um, how did you entertain yourself? Well, we did. I asked him how he entertained himself, so how did he uh, pass the time, shoot the shit? If I was there now, I would have said, is it anything like the war movies, you know, like in uh, Apocalypse Now, where they're like, Playing cards, smoking cigarettes, 
messing around with hookers, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm sure it's not near as accurate to that. I might have heard that one, but I said, or I asked him, uh, what did you do after the war? Assuming he got out after. I don't know. Back to college. I'd been in college for two and a half years, and after the war I went back and I graduated from college in 1946. In business, I went to the University of Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. I graduated. Wow. So, goes and fights in World War II. And then comes back to Notre Dame in the in '46. Wow, I I don't even know when Rudy was, but it was probably after that. But anyways, that probably would have been pretty cool. What a guy! I, I'm glad I'm sharing this with with you guys. I asked him if he joined any veterans organizations, and you could probably hear the fan in the back of the video, not my room, but the video. <laughs> Just goes to show how shitty quality is on this video, but anyways, let's hear his answer. Awkward silence. I asked him how he felt once he learned that the war was over. Well, we were very jubilant. We were in Regensburg, Germany. Right next to us was a prisoner of war camp. And we saw all these prisoners. And then that night, of course, we all got a bottle. We were going to celebrate. And our commanding officer, he came over and he made us quit partying. And we, we just sat around and were glad and hoping to get home real quick. I like the diction on this guy. Jubilant. I'm going to start using that word. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Have any friends in your group? Yes, I I asked if he had any friends, made any friends with the guys in his squadron or whatever you call it. Friends with three or four guys, real close. We used to write back and forth, but that's been a long time now since we've communicated. I'm not in touch with anyone except one fellow. That's got to be a very interesting dynamic, you know, somebody that you served with during wartime. I mean, I'm not a veteran, so I can't speak on, you know, what it's like to serve with somebody. But, you know, if you're not out in combat, it's I think it's a little different than, you know, somebody who's, you know, storming the beaches and manning the guns on the, the aircraft carrier. You know, that must have been really, really tight if you had a buddy, you know, that was there with you through thick and thin and facing death right in the eye, you know. Um, probably, I mean, it makes sense that he con or was in contact with those guys for a long time. I mean, probably had a real deep connection, which not a lot of people know, you know, today. Uh, yes, I did. I was, I 
bomb group out of flying out of England, and then after a while I was transferred to an army supporting General Patton's Third Army, and we were flying Stinson L5s, <coughs> single-engine plane. And our, I was an officer, and we had the sergeant pilots, and they flew flew the most of the missions. They carried maps out to the tanks, and we ferried the officers of the Third Army headquarters around to different places. We, we went every place the army went. We moved with them. We moved about well. At the time I was with them, I think we moved about eight different fields, and we just took a grass strip, and that's where we'd be. We're near Third Army headquarters. Have you attended any reunions? No, I've never been to a... I asked him if he'd re- or if he'd attended any reunions, and I don't know. Well, I'll just keep it going. Reunion. I get notices, but I was working six days a week, and, I just, and we had four kids real quick. <laughs> I never got to go to a reunion. I'm not sure if, if he was talking about wartime or high school or college. I just I just asked if he had if he got any medals and he goes yes. <laughs> uh, oh, I got uh, three or four medals for different battles that we were in. I got the occupational medal, the victory medal. I got a medal just recently in the last year or two. I got a medal from France. I'm now a member of the French. Uh, Legion of Honor in France, and the fact is, I just got this medal sent to me from the consulate in Chicago was sent to, but that's the medal I received from serving in France. Holy moly, okay. So he just said that he got sent a letter, or I mean sent this medal from the French embassy or the whatever, and he showed it to me in this video, and it's a little pouch like you might see a necklace you know pearl necklace or something uh kept in and inside is a red or i don't know what you call the top part the ribbon or whatever but red ribbon and then it comes down to like a golden i don't know it looks kind of like a wreath i guess and then below that is a big uh i don't know it looks kind of like a umbrella it looks kind of like the umbrella company logo because it's white and red Ah, I don't know. It's really cool, though. I wish I could have seen it in real life. I mean, now. Oh, wow. He just showed a closer closer look at it. And the wreath thing, um, I guess it still kind of looks like a wreath, but I don't know. It looks more like just a a knocker on a door, you know? Like the little uh, oval-shaped... brass ring or whatever it looks kind of like one of those a little beefier and then oh this star thingy it's like a five-sided white i don't know they look like arrows that are all pointing to the middle like their points all meet in the middle but then on the on top of them is like a button or something and it has somebody's face on it it's kind of cool and then under under that it looks what i thought was red maybe it's just a light but it looks kind of bronze now but it's like another set of like arrow looking things with looks like those one guitars that you always see uh metal characters with like with the two pointy edges anyways pretty pretty good metal and 
richer than any I got from the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Well, yeah, my son Joseph has got uh, a shadow box with all my medals in it and my my enlistment card, my wings, and my bars, my officer's bars, in a shadow box that my wife made for, made one for Joan for my other son, Mark. So all I've got is the memories, and they've got the others. And this, I promised to my grandson to give to his first son, and he'll eventually end up with that, hopefully. In fact, I got it written in here that he's, he's to get it. And right after I got mine, Clint Eastwood was awarded. You don't see that many day, the or much these days. Uh, kind of telling young Butch about the watch. You know, he said he had written here that it's to go to his grandson's first son. That's how it's supposed to be. I like that. You know, it's a very special. You know, bond type order will thingy. Same thing. It's the highest honor that you can get from France. And. Uh, and he said Clint Eastwood got the same medal, <laughs> and it's the highest um, medal, I guess, a foreigner can get in France. The fact is, I pulled some of this stuff out in case you wanted to see it. This is the, uh, the notification of the award. Oh, wow. It says, the American Society of the French Legion of Honor. And then it has his name, and it says... As a veteran member, November twenty or 2009, your dedication and sacrifice will never be forgotten. Wow. I don't know who signed it, but that's still pretty cool. It's a plaque like you would get for honors or for principal's list or something or dean's list in school, but obviously cooler. And there's like gold trim everywhere. And I'll just read you real quickly what this is because I, I didn't ever know about it. It says, it is a great honor and privilege to present you with a Knight of Legion of Honor medal. Through this award, the French government pays tribute to the soldiers who did so much for France and Western Europe. More than 65 years ago, you gave your youth to France and the French people. Many of your fellow soldiers did not return, but they remain in our hearts. And then it goes on to tell about that. Wow, that's really, really cool to receive a letter of thanks from a country, you know, especially one like France, which has been, you know, a global power for hundreds of years, centuries. Um, yeah, it's crazy. That's really, really cool. I, I, I'd love to see this stuff. Hopefully I could take a look. I mean, I'm sure that guy is around still. Not him, not Mr. Podesky, but uh, his son or whoever has those medals. That'd be really cool. Among those heroes, enlisted in 1944 as the first lieutenant in the 14th Liaison Squadron. From July 1944 to June 46, you participated in the Northern France. We got a medal for that. The Ardennes, that's another medal, and the Rhineland and Central European campaigns. For your achievements, the American government presented. For those of you who aren't history buffs, there was a lot of fighting and stuff in France, and France kind of got just walked all over. Um, I mean, it was occupied by uh, the Nazis for a little bit. You can see a famous picture of Hitler standing right in front of the Eiffel Tower. Um, so he was just saying all these different, I think, well, all the different campaigns throughout France 
I guess that he was a part of, but that just goes to show you, you know, there was a lot of fighting. Uh, well, I guess they did kind of steamroll them um, and took them over, but there was still, you know, fighting in France, and France was, you know, they didn't get out scotch-free in that war. But anyways. Prestigious awards. European, African, Middle Eastern theater ribbon with four bronze battle stars. <coughs> The American Theater Ribbon, the Army of Occupation Ribbon, and the World War II Victory Medal. To show our eternal gratitude, the government of the French Republic has decided to award you the Legion of Honor. Created by Napoleon, it is the highest honor that France can bestow upon those who have achieved remarkable deeds for France. And that was me. <laughs> wow. Others. That's really, really cool. Um, I'm actually going to look that up. French... Whoops, French Legion of Honor. That's really, <sighs> oh wow. Um, that's actually really, really cool. Um, I don't. I doubt many people get that. Um, wow, I'm on Wikipedia and it's list, there's a list of foreign recipients of the Legion of Honor by country. So, you know, you can go through, Albania has three people. So I guess if you're Albanian, um, good luck. But, wow, there's a lot of people, I guess, that have get, gotten it. But, you know, still, throughout history, not a lot of people. And that's really, really cool um, that he got that. That's a huge honor. You know, the biggest honor someone non-French can get in France. And, you know, like I said earlier, it's it's really cool to get a thank you letter from France, you know. Jeez. That's awesome. Um, anyways, let's go back to the video. A lot of them didn't know about this. I, I learned about this through my bomb group. I belonged to a bomb group over in Europe, and they sent me information. Now you guys on a in a bomb group on Facebook? No, I'm just kidding. I applied for this, and I did that. That's cool. Pretty neat. Now, I'll tell you what. The thing that I was most famous for with some pictures I took, if you'd like to see something different. I took pictures over there of General Eisenhower. So now he's talking about those pictures that I, I was mentioning at the beginning. Um, he I, I know he got in the paper, but I don't know if there was any more coverage of this story, of his pictures, but um, in this video he's showing me uh, the Polaroids that he, that he took, and it's got Dwight D. Eisenhower with his, you know, coat and cap and and he's uh, talking to Omar Bradley and, and George Patton, which is, you know, a huge uh, meeting of power. And he called it the 12-star shop. He'll tell you about that. General Patton and General Bradley, those were the three top generals in the, in the U.S. Army. Yeah, the one in the hallway. Dwight has his hat on, and Bradley and Patton both have helmets, and they're all kind of looking at one thing in the distance. It's pretty. It's a pretty cool picture. Maybe I'll put the picture um, as the the thumbnail for this. That would be pretty cool. Um, anyways. I wrote a story about that, and I called it my 12-star picture because amongst the three men, they've got 12 stars, and this was printed in the Davenport paper, the Moline paper. If you'd like, I'll give you a copy of this and this picture. If you'd like to do take things to show at school, party report. So there's a you may have three generals. These two. Yeah. Cool. 
they have a frame, big, pretty hefty picture frame with multiple pictures of different people that he took. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, as you notice, they're looking right at me here. I was just the second <laughs> lieutenant at that time, and I was as close to them as I am to the tree out there. And today you couldn't get within a thousand feet of three of the top generals. Yeah, this is one of the You probably heard of Omar Bradley, and he knew Dwight Eisenhower was president. Mm -hmm. so. We're learning about World War II in school, right? I am. Excuse me, mm -hmm. I interrupt you. Uh, if you'd like, I'd show you a few other pictures real quick here. Cause it just, now this was this was me when I was in training, and this is called a Stearman. It's a PT-17. It's in the snow. We were down in McBride, Missouri, which is right across the Mississippi River from Chester, Illinois. And that's our winter uniform. Wow, for you can't. I wish you guys could see this, but he has a picture of himself uh, in front of a plane and it's it's so you know um i don't want to say cliche because i feel like that has a bad um you know tinge to it but you know he's it's like one of those really really old world war ii you know obviously planes but it's got the propeller in front and the two you know tiny little like uh, training wheel type wheels on the front and he's got a you know bomber jacket with like uh i can't think of what that uh, materials called but it's like white and pu and kind of puffy like carpet looking um and then the hat with like the goggles like it's crazy and this is what i sold and we went over to a field and the instructors all got out and then we had to fly around and they were betting on who would be the last one to land because everybody was so scared to try to, to land and you didn't want to be the last one but that's that and then this is me with a uh, with another student in it. Another cool thing about the uh, that he just showed another picture. Another really cool thing is it had the uh, it was as like a silver plane, and it had the um, I think it's I think it's Top Gun that has the same uh, logo. It's like a rectangular stripe and then it comes to a circle and there's a big white star in it and then it keeps going and the stripe has like red and white and blue it's pretty cool you know iconic this is this is the same airplane that came here where they had one of these air not an air show but they had a bunch of world war ii airplanes mm -hmm. out at the airport one time and that's the same type of plane that i flew there and then I've got Joe's, Joe and Melissa have a friend who flies airplanes, and this is one, but this is a, this is in the Navy colors and everything. This is a restored Stearman, and it's probably one of the best and prettiest ones in the country now, and it's worth thousands and thousands of dollars. So he took me up in this, and then after I got out of the bomb group, this is what we flew. This is a Stinson L5. It's a two-passenger plane. And my, my commanding officer used to fly General Patton whenever he would go forward during the war. And the same thing was out here at the airport. This is the same plane, but this was owned by the Confederate Air Force locally. I didn't get to fly in that one. But this is me sitting in it. And then you asked about the food, but you didn't ask me about the living. And this shows you, this is our uh, 
two of our operations men, and this is a tent that they operated out of. We just put up tents wherever we could. And this is some guy. He called my ass out for being a shitty interviewer, and I'm glad he did. Guys <laughs> around a campfire, and that's one of the tents in the background. We slept in those tents. And this is our medical corps. Now look at the neat uniform, how neat they look. <laughs> These pictures are really cool. Um, I encourage anyone who's friends with me on Facebook, who knows me locally, to uh, just message me and I'll tag you in this because it's really cool to see. The guys were our medics, and that was their tent. <laughs> it's some of the, you know, when you see it now, some of it's pretty funny, but it wasn't always that funny. And then I think I have one other picture I'm going to show you here. When I first went overseas, I joined a bomb group. We were flying B-26s, and this is uh, one of the planes that we flew in. This is our navigator, and that's me, if you can believe that. These are hard. You wouldn't be able to pick, get these, I don't think, because these. this was on some English-colored film, and I had a terrible time trying to get these developed. And then this is us packing to go over to France. From that was our one of our barracks, and we were we were on, on our way. You might be able to get this one. I don't know, but that's made by that airplane. But I wasn't on those missions. And then this is real hard to see, but this is from in the cockpit, and we were flying over to England. And this is another plane here. Even now anymore, I can't hardly see it. But that's the plane that was flying alongside of us, and this is where I was. And that's another B-26. <coughs> and this was our squadron insignia. Whoa, it's like a four-leaf clover with a bunch of dice. A six, a four, and a five. Hmm. And I think... Oh, then I also have a picture when I got out of service. I mean, the last time, this was our squadron officers at the end. And that's me over there. That was, uh, that was after the war, during the Army of Occupation. Jake, Jake, huh? you might want to say some of the countries you were in over there. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, actually I started out in England. If you heard her, or if you didn't hear what uh, his wife said, she said, you might want to mention the countries you were in. So he's about to list them, and the first one he said was England. Then we moved to France, and when we were in France, we were, we were first stationed just below Cherbourg, Cherbourg, France. And then on, in January of 1945, we moved up to... Luxembourg City because the Battle of Bastogne was on and we were involved in that quite a bit at the time. And then I was in Belgium, I flew up to Holland one time, and then I lived in Germany. I was in Germany almost a year and a half. That's about it. <laughs> Unless you need to know something else or want to know anything else. Just come and pause. Well, my, on the honor flight, that was April of last, of 19, of 2009. We went in April, and it was a cold, 
stormy day in Washington. We got out to Washington, D.C. in a heavy rain pour, and uh, it was cold. It was 37 degrees, and guys got on the, their cell phone and called home, and it was like 50, 60 degrees here in town with beautiful sunshine. But we left about 6.30 in the morning and got back about 11 o'clock at night. I had a, I was a wheelchair designated patient because I've had some knee surgeries and if I needed a wheelchair, I had a man, my guardian, pushed me in the wheelchair. But we saw all the monuments, but it rained so hard when we were at the World War II Memorial, which is what we went out to see, that we only spent about 15 minutes there because it was so wet and it was real bad weather. So they took us on a sightseeing trip around to Washington, D.C., which you normally wouldn't have gotten to. Then we went to the Vietnam Memorial, we went to the Korean Memorial, Iwo Jima, and the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier was the last stop we made. There were 109 veterans on the trip and about 50 or 60 guardians. And we had that's really, really cool that he got to go see that. I, I need to do that. Um, when I was in art history class, we learned about the Vietnam Memorial because it's modernist and it was made by a student, which is pretty interesting. But yeah, I really want to go. Um, that's cool that he got. He was talking about the Honor Flight, which is you know a program um, all over the country where people, uh, veterans, can go see memorials that you know obviously is important to them. Um, but anyways. Seats assigned in the bus, so if you had any luggage or any souvenirs or anything with you, you could leave right in the bus and not worry about them getting stolen as you move from one place to another. Real nice deal. Well, you might be interested to know when we landed at, when we got to the World War II Memorial, it was raining real bad, and uh, before we got out of the bus, a fella come up to the bus with carrying an umbrella, and they let him on the bus, and it was Bob Dole, and he wouldn't have. He welcomes all of these uh, honor flight trips when he can, right to Washington, D.C. He got on our bus and gave a little welcoming speech. This is one that my daughter Ann made for me. Oh, he showed a card that says, thank you, honor flight, and it has a picture of him when he was young, I'm presuming while he was serving, and then one recently. So that's pretty cool. Got back. Where all I got in here? Oh, then they gave different, oh, I'll tell you what, so we did have a, I well, you'll hear that on that tape too. When we got back, when we were coming back, they had mail call on the plane, and we got letters, I think I got five or six letters written by Moline school kids, uh, sixth or seventh grade, and asking us questions, and some of them were pretty cute. <laughs> and one of them I mentioned in here, I think I read it in this tape. Oh, wow, that's the end. So, um, hold on a sec. Okay, so, wow, that was really, really good. Um, ah, man, I, I would give a lot to go back and ask and talk to him, because... There, those people, the veterans from World War II, the few that are left, are just dying, um, you know, more and more every day. And sooner or later, there's not going to be any of them left. And so the firsthand experience people are going to be gone, and that's going to be drastic to history, you know. Um, but, yeah, I wish I could have gone and talked to him. That would have been really cool. Uh, obviously, back then, I didn't know near as much about 
uh, that conflict or, and well, obviously wasn't as interested in as I am now. So, um, but it's cool that I got to talk to him regardless. And I, I, like I said, I still have the picture and a copy of his letter. So I'll, that'll stay with me to the day I die. So, but, uh, while I was, or while he was talking, I looked up, uh, that list of, um, recipients of the honor um, and assuming this is the right one, which I think it is, uh, his name isn't on the list, which I find pretty interesting. Um, if that's the case, I kind of want to say something to Wikipedia because, I mean, I could prove it, it, with this video that he got it. Oh, okay. The Legion of Honor is the highest French order of merit for military and civil merits established in 1802 by Napoleon Bonaparte and retained by all later French governments and regimes. This is from Wikipedia. Wow. Wow, it says... Oh, the order is divided into five degrees of increasing distinction. Chevalier, officer, commander, grand officer, and grand cross. The first one... Chevalier is knight. Um, wow, that's really, really cool. Um, but anyways, yeah, I I hope that if that's really the, the true list of this prize, um, that we can get him added to that. Um, I'm trying to... Oh, the... Okay, so it has a picture of the insignia, and it... I think it is a wreath under the, the red ribbon, and then there's another wreath behind the white um, triangles thingy. So I'm guessing the, the second wreath on the bottom, uh, that's why it looked shiny. It's because it was pretty much the same metal color as the, the above wreath. But yeah, anyways, um, thanks for listening, guys. I just wanted to share that. Uh, I thought it was very interesting. And when I first saw it online, I kind of freaked out and called my mom because I thought it was really, really cool. So um, yeah, if... You want to share this, please, because uh, it's very cool for anyone interested in history. Like I said, these people are dying, and there are not many of them left. So um, these kinds of things um, are going to be even more cherished than they already are by people like me, you know, who appreciate history and and uh, veterans and stuff like that. You know, I went to a couple of war or World War Two memorials. I mean, I went to the peace park in hiroshima and then the uh, just bomb museum in nagasaki and then finally i went to pearl harbor and those places were amazing um and they were all amazing in their own specific unique way um and you know it's really really cool to get a first-hand um ex or first-hand uh story and experience from someone like him who's you know willing to share and and uh that's really really cool but anyways thanks for listening please share tell everybody you know about this um i am getting more and more equipment every day for my studio that i'm building so the podcast is just going to get better and better i'm probably going to uh, redo the one with my friend ian that we tried to make um but got derailed with so that'll look forward to that um colin is interested in coming back on the podcast so I'm I'm looking forward to that one. Um, Nate Thompson of all, for those of you that have been loyal fans, Nate Thompson is interested in being on the podcast again. And we're currently in negotiations. Our lawyers have been going at it. The, the uh, production companies, you know, they're they're all in a tizzy. So who knows? But anyways, it's going to get better. I've also talked to a lot of other people 
um, or throughout the last couple of weeks uh, in the professional world or the business world that uh, are down to be on the podcast. Um, I talked to someone that's a chiropractor, someone, actually my boss, who's a, a chemist. And then uh, I talked to the uh, manager of a law office. And I think that would be really, really cool to get him and uh, one of the lawyers there on the podcast, which will be possible in the near future. So look forward to that. And the reason that I have people in you know different careers is because that's what I want this podcast to kind of mainly focus on. Um, I haven't touched on the name at all, but the name Crosstown Fire or Crosstown Traffic is, I think, probably like a triple entendre. I mean, it involves my name. It's referencing Jimi Hendrix, who is one of my favorite musicians ever. Um, but then, thirdly, it's it it's supposed to mean that the podcast isn't going to be about one thing. You know, I I have a lot of different interests. And thusly, the podcast is going to feature people from or a lot of different ideas. You know, I, I want to focus it on the you know career-oriented podcast. Oh, and I got another guy who's a car salesman who wants to be on. So look forward to that. Um, and that guy's really funny too. So also, yeah, I want to have comedy podcasts. You know, I, I've been talking to a couple of my buddies and they want to be on. And you know, when we hang out, I know two in in uh, particular. If you're listening, you know who you are. That. I get particularly rowdy with and, and laugh a whole lot. You know, my girlfriend, maybe she's interested. So yeah. Um, please share and, and tell people about this. You can find this podcast on Apple iTunes. Now Apple podcasts, Spotify and anchor. Um, yeah, please tell people and share and thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. And hopefully this just gets better and better. So goodbye.